You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today it is the start of game week for the 2020 Orange Bowl. Texas A&M will be taking on the likes of North Carolina, but we're going to be talking a little bit more about the actual players themselves. Who has made their mark in 2020? Where have these players been? And more importantly, I want to talk a little bit about Kellen Mond and his legacy at Texas A&M. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next purchase. That promo code is locked on at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a shout-out, give me a follow, put it in the mix, and I will add it into our repertoire. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So again, Texas A&M, they missed out on the college football playoff, but they have a big bowl game coming up against North Carolina. Now, Mac Brown is the former University of Texas head coach, and we'll just focus a little bit on this for a second. He was very adamant about talking of Jimbo Fisher's resurgence of Texas A&M. There were days back in the Big 12 era where A&M and UT would decide the Big 12 champion by this game. And because of that... Brown has a long history of playing the Aggies. Before all the kids who only know A&M as part of the SEC, the biggest rivalry in the state of Texas, and one of the biggest rivalries all time in the sport of college football, came between A&M and UT. This was always played usually the same weekend of Thanksgiving. This was usually a game that people loved to watch. This was usually a game that people would camp out for. They'd have their Thanksgiving dinners outside of DKR in Austin, Texas, or outside of Kyle Field at College Station, head on into the stadium, and watch some good old-fashioned Texas football. More than that, it was a great game that allowed players who were on the fence of where they wanted to go, A&M, UT, they were going to lead the state. It was a great recruiting game. All the time, you got to see, okay, maybe I'm going to go to a national contender, like Texas, or... There's positions that need enhancement, and I could start immediately if I go to A&M. If A&M got the win, okay, A&M looks like a team on the rise. And this was under the Dennis Francois era. This was under the uh, the Mike Sherman era, back when Mac Brown really was one of the kings of college football. And when that happened, Brown got to see firsthand what A&M was. He actually said earlier this week that while Sumlin was good, he never brought AM back to where it needed to be. However, Fisher has done that in just three short years. And that's a big compliment for a guy who was kind of criticized about leaving Florida State, kind of got the back end of the stick in his first two years, went seven and five in a really rough season, had to replace, you know, two middle linebackers, had to replace a, you know, replace a couple safeties, had to replace a couple defensive backs, had to replace a running back. He did pretty decent for facing against three top three ranked teams and the number one team 
three different occasions. I'm going to call that the worst situation. But then this year, an all-SEC schedule, one loss, albeit a pretty bad loss, 28-point loss. But besides that, a winning streak of seven-plus games to close out the year with a month of almost non-stop COVID restrictions that nobody knew would they or won't they play. That's a big plus for the Aggies. Closing out the year with a 9-1 record, just missing out on the college football playoff, and finishing in the top five in AP and coaches' rankings. I would consider that a win. The biggest thing is, can they build off of that? Brown believes they can. I believe they can. And I believe that that's what we're talking about when we look at this A&M roster. And there's a lot of guys who I think definitely can step up in the next few years. With another solid recruiting class that recently came out for 2021, plus the 2020 recruiting class with players we haven't even seen touch the field just yet. We're in a really prime spot for A&M to be one of the most sufficient teams college football has ever seen. And guess what? They have three options at the most important position you need to really be successful. You have the game manager in Zach Calzada. You have the pocket passer who has mobility in Haynes King. And you have the dual threat option in Eli Stowers who's definitely got the mobility and that function that most NFL teams are starting to transition towards. And I actually brought this up a couple days ago because most people, I think, know this. I cover the NFL for a website on top of, you know, doing this and covering college football. I said that mobility is the most underrated trait for a quarterback, but it won't be for much longer because offensive lines are getting weaker and defensive lines are getting stronger. So unfortunately, if you're going to hold the ball for longer than, I don't know, two, three seconds and not hope for those short passes, those five-yard slants, those seven-yard out routes, those you know, those 10-yard those comebacks, you're going to have to be mobile. King is mobile. Stowers is mobile. Now, with a good offensive line, Calzada's probably a better option for this upcoming year, only because if he's been in the system under Jimbo Fisher his entire time. But if the offensive line struggles, you can't have a guy who sits in the pocket for longer than two seconds. They have to have good footwork. They have to have precise vision. They have to have all these other skill sets. That's what AM can build for. And with an offensive line that, you know, could be very sufficient in next year, depending on who you add, depending on where Bryce play, uh, Bryce Foster plays, where Kenyon Green plays, and those three other spots that will be filled by incoming players, whether they be sophomores or whether they be an incoming freshman, or you have a guy like Chris Morris who's a redshirt freshman, you have them back. You're in a very good spot. This is where AM can really build and suffice themselves for the future. They have all the positions needed to be good, and Mac Brown speaks it into volume. Jimbo Fisher has brought AM back. And what I mean by that is they weren't ever going to probably be considered for the college football playoff this year. And that's fine. That's okay. But however, they now have shown the committee we are right there with every team in the SEC. You can include us with Alabama. You can include us with Auburn, because we beat Auburn. You can include us with LSU, because we beat LSU. Last season, it came down to a couple plays in a muddy game against Georgia, and we could have won that game. We also took Florida down. 
and gave them one of three losses on the year, one of which was probably the best loss that they could have imagined. That was against us. In our recruiting class, last four years, top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10. That's our roster going into 2021. Very good spot for A&M, and a lot of that is due to Jimbo Fisher. This upcoming week, we have the New Year's Six Bowls back in action, plus the college football playoff, which means football season is at an all-time high. And with the NFL regular season closing up, the playoff picture is becoming a little bit more clear. That means that bets are going to be coming in week in and week out, and we here at Locked On Podcast have partnered with betonline.ag, the one place that has you covered and the one place we trust. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. We got all the NFL games of the week, the top games in the college football, plus every current headline in sports right now. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get back in the action and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive 50% off your welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online AG, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Betting on college football doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe on Locked On Bets podcast through betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasting. And while you're at it, why not listen to a great college football podcast here at LockedOnPodcast.com. We have over two dozen college shows talking all things about the college football playoff and the New Year's Six Bowl games. You're going to want to listen to Locked On Heels, Tar Heels with Candace Cooper if you are interested in the Orange Bowl. Plus, we got all four teams, Locked On Ohio State, Locked On Clemson, Locked On Bama, and Locked On Irish to prepare you for the college football playoffs. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day because every single day is a Locked On College Sports Podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Let's turn our attention to a position and a player who maybe doesn't get the respect that he deserves, but I could argue should, and that would be Kellen Mond. The question here is, where does he rank among active stars in Texas A&M history? It's hard when you really think about it. Because two years ago, he made a comment saying, I'm going to be the best quarterback in the SEC. And you know what? Every quarterback probably thinks that they're going to be the best quarterback in the SEC. And you kind of have to have that mentality when you go into the year because of you play in the best conference. And sometimes it really does matter who is under center. Now, why do I say that when, you know, there's teams in the past that have had great defenses and great offenses with loaded weapons, with a great offensive line? I mean, there's an Alabama team from 2012 that saw every starter in the, in the team on both offense and defense at least get a shot to play in the NFL. The reason I bring this up is because of that same year with Joe Burrow, LSU is now in the history books. Number one offense all time. Top scoring offense. Top scoring uh, yards per game. Top average of points per game. Top average of turnovers. Top average of yards allowed per game. It's one of the best college football teams we will ever see, and it led Joe Burrow to winning the Heisman, setting a brand new record in touchdown passes on a single season. That's just what it is. Now, Burrow is still 
kind of out there. We don't know what they're going to be. And the main reason we don't know what they're going to be is because of you look at the team and Cincinnati is going to be either built around him or he's going to fizzle out. It's just going to be a prospect who was so good that the team never made anything with him. But Mon last year did have a good team. He had a good loaded weapons chest. He had players that he had worked with for years. He had players that had been in AM system and have helped him develop, especially at the wide receiver role. He had his go-to target in Jamon Osmond. He had a big outside target in, in an X-Factor in Kendrick Rogers. And he had a kind of Swiss Army knife in Courtney Davis. Davis and Rogers declared for the NFL draft, and Osmond opted out this past year to go to the NFL. So now it's a restart. But what's amazing is, I would argue that even though he put up statistically better numbers in 2019, he had a better year in 2020. Not only is he in the record books for AM as the most passing yards in school history and the most total yards in school history, but he also is in a very good spot on who he's been. Because if you look at guys like, like Jamie Newman for Georgia, who decided it's not worth it. It's not worth playing this year. I'm going to sit out. And you look at guys like I would throw in, you know, a Justin Fields who left the program when he probably just should have waited one more year and he would have gotten the starting job. Maybe that would have been enough for Georgia to be, you know, the number one team in the country this year. Because Georgia's pretty good, but the biggest problem was quarterback. At least Mon stayed. He took the criticism and he took all the lumps. Now, the difference is between him and a guy like Johnny Manziel, Manziel's stock was at an all-time high. If he would have stayed in college another year, Scouts would have had more to break down on him, and he probably would have been a fifth or sixth round pick. So he went because of that was when it was best for him to go. Last season, a lot of people said, well, why isn't Mon going to the NFL? You know, he's not going to get much better. And statistically, you're right. He didn't get better. But he became more aware of the surroundings with him. He became more elusive in the pocket. He started getting the ball out faster, which showed that the offensive line although it did struggle last year, got better because Amon got better at his release. He stepped up in the pocket a lot more. He made better plays before the three-step drawback. He stopped sitting and waiting for his first read. And the biggest reason that that happened is his first read was gone because he opted out. He worked with a young wide receiving core. He didn't have all the skill set players that you really wanted. And then after players opted out, he had more injured. He loses his probably number one receiver in Caleb Chapman in week three. He loses a tight end in Baylor Cup before the season begins again. And now he has to work with pretty much a tight end and a bunch of receivers that barely have starting reps, let alone playing time. And he's trying to find a way to win. The defense did win a few games for AM. Let's get that out of the way. Mon's game against LSU will always be a black mark and a black spot on his legacy at AM. It was a big time game to where he could have been the hero, kind of how he was in 2018, and instead he threw a whopping egg of 103 yards. And it was the run game that really saved them. And the defense that had a big turnover by Buddy Johnson for the pick six. That is where you look at this team and go, okay, this is a more complete team. 
But Mon also had games like Auburn, where an interception turned into a touchdown, where consistent passing on third down really steps up. A&M was the number one team on third down efficiency, not only in the SEC, but in the, but in the dang NCAA FBS level in 2020. They kept plays alive. Not only did they keep plays alive, they kept the clock rolling. Against Tennessee, his offense that he constructed allowed the Volunteers to have 14 minutes of total offense. That means the defense stepped up and did their job. They got enough turnovers. They got enough big plays. But on top of all of that, Mon and the offense kept the ball rolling. When you do that, that means that you're in control. And while A&M will not go to the college football playoff this year, Mon would definitely, I think, be up there in the history of A&M quarterbacks. When you look at his record, he's sitting at, I believe, uh, 29 and 13. That would put him in second place as the all-time winningest quarterback behind Corey Pollock, who finished 33-6-1. He was a good game manager. Pollock never earned any of the honors. He never was a guy who was named to any of the Southwest teams. He never was a guy who was named to any of the all-conference teams. Mon has been better at making plays because he holds the career record for total offense, touchdown passes, passing yards, completions, and attempts. But he doesn't have any big monumental wins going into the season. The 74-72-7 overtime game was a fluke game at the very end, which is a big win for the program, but they also didn't finish top 10. This year, he did get the big-time win. He got the win over Florida, who was ranked inside the top three. That's between him, Jimbo Fisher, and Seth Small. Now, after that, maybe that's the only game he will ever have. But if he closes out the year in the Orange Bowl with a victory over the Tar Heels... That will not only cement him just one game behind for the most wins all-time in A&M history. And he still could come back in 2021 because of the waivers, because of, you know, everything going on with college football. He hasn't ruled that out just yet. But it'll be the first time that A&M has finished in the top five since 2012. If they move up, which I do believe they will because of you'll have more than likely Notre Dame moving down and whoever loses the Ohio State-Clemson game moving down which would put them probably at four or three. That will be their best finish since 1939 when they ranked the number one team in the country. They have only been top five in the final standings twice before the 1939, 1953, and 2012. That will be the highest finish they've had in over six decades. I think that says a than anything else. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, Built Bar, you know about the deals of the past. They're great 12 different flavors that originally started mint brownie, banana bread, German chocolate cake, raspberry, but with six new flavors, including carrot cake, cherry barcia, cookies and cream, and lemon almond cheesecake. You are in for 18 delicious new flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew because of a great nougat center. They're great for the health-conscious guy, someone who wants to go work out, for someone who wants to lose or maintain weight because they're low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for someone who's on the keto diet. I eat the peanut butter brownie one every single time I go work out because it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves besides Built Bar, and 
When you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop indulging in those salty sweets and eat a treat that will meet your needs, make you look and feel better. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action. Talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Plus, later this week, we will be doing our crossover episode with Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels. You're going to want to listen to that show. Make sure you're following her on social media at Candace Cooper at Locked On Heels. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Before we go, I'm going to give my quick rankings of players, where they've kind of finished for me, who is what going into this year. Let's break it down. My Offensive Player of the Year for Texas A&M has got to be Kellen Mond. Now, people are wondering, what do you mean by that? Well, Kellen Mond did join the record books for the most completions all time, the most pass attempts of all time, the most passing touchdowns of all time. That alone makes you a great offensive weapon. And when you look at his history... He's done a good job being the guy for Texas A&M. Not everyone is pretty, but that's for any single team. But he will leave a great legacy, in my opinion, at College Station for both on and off the field work. Defensive Player of the Year, gotta go with the big man up the middle, Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown is a guy who is going to make quarterbacks fear for their lives, I think, in 2021. It was another building year for him in a defensive line taking over for Justin Matabike's role and now he will have a shot to play either the nose or a three-tech at the next level, depending on what system he's in. Should he return, which I do believe he will, this is going to be a very fierce defensive line with guys like Dallas Walker, guys like DeMarvin Leal, guys like Fadil Diggs, Danelle Harris. His numbers for the year, he had over uh, five sacks. He had, uh, I believe it was 16 total quarterback pressures and 23 total tackles. Not a bad number for a guy who's supposed to literally just open or close lanes for the second and third level of defense to get in. Most improved player of the year. I'm going to go with Anaya Smith. Anaya's had to change positions. He had to go from wide receiver that was destined to stay in the slot to then go to a running back role. That's easier said than done because he doesn't have the size that a lot of teams want for a lead back. But... You look at what he did all season, he made plays, he was able to run, he was able to get big time yardage, great yards after contact, he was good uh, when it came to catching the ball, he was good when it came to rushing on third and short, his size did not demean him, and he was very effective wearing that number 19 jersey when he would do kickoff and punt returns, averaging over 10 yards per return. This is a player who I think is going to entice teams who need a gadget man at the next level. And you've seen it work with guys like Curtis Samuel, guys like Taysom Hill. They're going to need players who can do a little bit of everything. I think Smith fits that build. The most surprising player of 2020 for me, linebacker Aaron Hansford. You got to give it up for this guy. He was a wide receiver who transitioned to a safety who then transitioned to a linebacker and was pretty much just going to be a special teams guy all season long. Then Anthony Hines opts out. Okay, we have to accept that Anthony Hines is not going to be playing this season, but we need to fill a role for the guy. Guess what? Hansford got the phone call. He stepped up and the senior linebacker did not disappoint, especially when it came to rushing the quarterback. In his first year as a starter, he recorded 49 total tackles, three sacks, doubting, I mean, replacing any doubt 
that this position that Heinz filled could not be replaced. He also did a great job in coverage. I think he allowed a total of 21 receptions off of 29 or 30 total plays, but he only averaged about 6.3 yards. And I don't think he allowed a touchdown when he was playing in coverage. So I got to give it up to him. Freshman of the year. No surprise on this one. It is Jalen Jones. Jones was a five-star recruit coming out of Cibola Steel in San Antonio. And a lot of people were wondering, how is he going to transition? He's a five-star. He played safety his entire career when he was with the Knights. Now he's got to play cornerback in a division that's really difficult. Now, he had one bad game. But again, look at every other cornerback in the SEC and tell me that they did not have a bad game against Alabama with John Mechie, with Devonta Smith, and with Jalen Waddell who was playing at the time when AM faced him. Since then, he was fantastic in coverage. He accumulated 28 total tackles, one interception. He also added two uh, quarterback pressures, and he only allowed an average of 61% of passes to go his way. Great first year. It builds for experience at a position that's dire in the SEC. Plus, when you look at the talent that's coming in at different areas, he will be able to be the leader of the locker room, especially in that defensive back unit. And my MVP of the season, no surprise here, it's Isaiah Spiller. Spiller is exactly what the offense was. You had a team that did have concerns at quarterback. Whether you want to admit it or not, there were concerns, and it's fine. Kellen Mond is a very sound player. Wouldn't say great, wouldn't say bad, he's sound. His legacy will be cemented because if he got AM to finish this high, as a passer. But like I've been saying all season, Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns know what Baker Mayfield is. He's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. He's right there. That top 15 range is probably as high as he will ever be. Maybe you can go top 12, but he's not going to be this game changer who opens up plays. Who are a Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb? That's what Anaya Smith was. And that's exactly what Isaiah Spiller was. Spiller finished just shy of 1,000 yards on the year in a 10-game season where he also missed one, two games when you include the actual game that was canceled. So he would have probably gotten to 1,000 yards if he would have been there. Finishing third in the SEC in rushing, he also led the team in touchdowns. He also was phenomenal as a run blocker and also as a pass protector. Those are things that I look at when I need a lead back. Did a little bit of everything pretty well, solidified his status as the lead back for the 2021 season, and I would say has earned the right to be considered as a dark horse for the 2021 Heisman Trophy Award. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. On tomorrow's show, Coach's Day, it's Tuesday. Let's break down everything that was said at Media Days for the Aggies as they prep for their game with the Tarkos at the 2020 Orange Bowl. We will see you then. And remember, give them y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.